Hey, friendos, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today, I sit down with David Kadavi, who is the best-selling author of The Heart to Start, Design for Hackers, and the host of Love Your Work. In today's conversation, we talk about his latest book, The Heart to Start. Specifically, we cover why you should start, the upside of trying new things, how to minimize downside and create infinite upside, and why falling in love with ideas and creativity and engaging in your curiosity is so important. So while we cover a lot of great topics, I think my biggest insight from today's conversation is just that when you begin, when you start to do things in this world, when you start to take on creative projects, whether you're an employee or an employer, a side hustler, self-employed or running an organization, when you start to move outside of the known path, if you move into uncertainty and start to create and start to do things without somebody actually telling you to do them, that invisible doors will open to you, that you'll build up a skill set that makes you more valuable in the world because we need people who start things and we need people who can take creative control and move forward into that unknown to create those amazing things, those amazing products, those amazing pieces of art and music that we love and, of course, that people will pay for. So if you are on the fence about getting started, hopefully today's interview will be that kick that you need to finally start, finish, and ship your creative project. And for those who are seasoned vets, not a bad place to get some more inspiration and understand that all the work you're putting in is definitely worthwhile. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation. So David, I want to start out with your book, and I want to dig into it a little bit, The Heart to Start. Give me your reason why you wrote it. And I ask that because there's definitely a lot of like people are publishing and producing a lot of content these days. You know, it's it's more than ever we see that. And I've I've always find it interesting to talk to authors or people who who do write and do publish books to understand their why behind it. Because I think more now more than ever, it's important to have like a really compelling reason why. And I know this is kind of your core project right now is to get people to check out this book. And I'm I'm wondering, so what's what's the purpose behind it for you to write this book and get it out there into the world? Yeah, good question. Because when you do write a book, it is you do put everything that you've got into it. And so it's very important to have that why to motivate you to go through all of that work. So for me, that is because I grew up in a suburb in Nebraska, and everything around me was kind of yeah your typical kind of suburban life where you've got your video games or you go to the movies or something like that. And you never, or at least I never met somebody who made things like that, who wrote books or wrote screenplays or built businesses. So when I did start on my own as an entrepreneur about 10 years ago, I kept getting this advice, like just get started. I had a lot of different mental blocks and emotional blocks and fears that I had to get over to get myself started. I mean, I think it's good advice to just get started. If a person can follow that advice, that's really wonderful advice to follow. For me, it was never very easy to do that. And so over the last 10 years that I've been an independent creator, I have systematically been breaking through those mental distortions and those fears and keeping distractions at bay to actually create things. So in part, I wanted to like remind myself of the things that I've learned along the way so that I can have those things more solid, more solidified in my brain and actually follow through with them. But then it's also just thinking back to the 25-year-old version of myself 
who was looking in the mirror and seeing this other person who he felt really had something to offer the world, but not really knowing how to make that happen. You know, I almost didn't go through with it. I almost didn't do the things that I had to do to break out of the cubicle, to break out of the the standard lifestyle. And I think that that would have just been totally tragic. So part of the motivation, part of the why, part of the, the things that I put in my head whenever I felt like it was hard to write this book was that, was thinking about that 25-year-old version of myself, thinking that there might be other people out there who have these same fears and have these same mental obstacles that are holding them back from starting and hoping that I can help one of those people. So that's why. Essentially, it's like writing the book for a younger version of yourself to some degree. Yeah, a younger version of myself. And I don't want to turn off any people who, who are older who are trying to get started too. And I was actually, I considered that I was a little old to get started at 25. Like I, I got, a, I feel like I got a really late start. It's just anybody who has, has kind of woken up to this idea that, oh, I don't have to live the, my life by this template where I follow instructions and work hard for 40 years and later I'll retire. In fact, that probably isn't even going to work if I follow that template. I've got to figure out how to do things for myself. So anybody in that situation. Yeah, no, I like that. And I think it's it's actually something that kind of inspired me to start blogging and writing in the first place. I was like, well, I don't know if I have any real applicable skills here, but at least I could write to a younger version of myself and start there and see what happens. And sure enough, that was like the best way to get started, at least for me, started to get some traction. It was actually useful for other people and has since expanded into other things. And what I thought was like notable or interesting about what you said was this idea that I feel like I was late, you know, at 25, that I was like getting started late. And I think what's interesting is that realization only happens when you actually start producing and start creating. And then you realize, man, I wish I had started this a long time ago. Because you come away with like a realization that you can't appreciate until you've started doing it, which is that this stuff compounds over time. That it's like those little actions that we do every day and that when we, you know, start, finish and ship things, that they start kind of interacting with the world and then all these invisible doors start opening. And I always find that kind of a profound thought and why I always, I, that's like the same thing I hear from a lot of different people. It's like, I wish I'd start early. I mean, I feel that same way. Like, I wish I had gotten started doing this stuff like in high school versus waiting until I was in my 20s. Yeah. And, and doing things in general. I don't know. It, it's as if like some wizard came down from the, the sky and said, hey, uh, see that wall over there? You can walk right through that wall, but you have to like run right at it. <laughs> and you've got to believe that if you run at that wall, that you're not going to just like break your nose, <laughs> that, that this wizard isn't lying to you or something. Like when you go to create something, it can take on this sort of woolly mammoth shape where it's, oh, it's this big, scary thing. And suddenly when you do start creating, whether even if it's a small thing, all of a sudden it becomes like, oh, wow, I can walk through walls. Like I can actually do this thing. And so sometimes the weight of what stands in front of you before you start is so great and it's so intimidating that you just can't get started. And so that's one of the amazing things that happens when you do start is you you get this rush of energy, this feeling of freedom that like, wow, if that's possible, what else is possible? You know, I wonder too, is this something that can be cultivated? Because I think to myself, well, you know, I want to have a family where that that idea is cultivated, that, you know, my kids, that they do start, that they do like produce stuff, that they they get going early on these things. Because I, I personally have seen the power of it. And I see that like when you invest your time and energy to something that you deem worthwhile, 
that if you do that now, even if it's like, quote unquote, like a failure, you've still come away with more skills and more power than you had before. And so I do want to like cultivate that in my own family. I like to think about how I cultivate that through my blog and my podcast. But I'm curious your approach to that, because obviously you're writing the book, you're publishing it, you're getting in the hands of people. So you believe that you can kind of transfer these ideas. But talk to me about that idea of how we can cultivate that both in our world with the people around us and then in ourselves. Yeah, I strongly believe that it can be cultivated because I believe that my upbringing was the opposite of cultivating it. I mean, not to like point fingers at somebody or something, but it was just that the people around me lived the typical middle-class American lifestyle where, oh, go get a job. My dad worked the same job for 37 years, you know, had some some retirement benefits and all those things. Not everybody even has that option anymore. Like the world doesn't necessarily work that way. But because it did work that way, people were following this template. They were in the matrix, so to speak, that like, oh, follow these instructions and that's how you do things. And then as far as the world of things that are created, whether it's movies or books, things like that, then that's like, it was strange. Like, it was like, those weren't made by humans in a way. They're just part of the natural environment. They might as well have been one of the crab apples growing in the backyard. And so realizing suddenly that you can make those things, then you have these different mental distortions that you have to get over. And that's the stuff that I've been trying to figure out over the years. I think there's still a lot of people who, they have people in their lives or, or, where they live, the people they surround themselves with that create these barriers. I mean, I was actually just visiting family over Christmas and I hope they're not listening to this, but I was at a family member's house and there was like this thing on the wall in the kid's playroom and it had these different quotes on it and whatever. And, it was, and one of them was share everything except bad ideas. And that just like really struck me like, oh, that's horrible to... <laughs> To be taught that, first of all, to have to believe that it's possible to have good ideas without first having bad ideas is just wrong. Yes. I don't know. To teach a child that seems really wrong to me. Now, I didn't, I didn't say anything, but at least when I interact with that child, I'm, I'm trying to encourage the behavior of, okay, you know, maybe some things don't work or whatever, go ahead. But this this idea that and maybe they weren't paying attention to what it said on the board or something. And there's just something they bought it and they just put it up. But it just like really bothered me that it said that on there because it, I mean, it reminded me of my own upbringing of not really understanding how things get made. Like almost like there's this belief that Michael Jordan like went to his high school guidance counselor and said, yeah, um, so what, what sort of job should I get? And the high school guidance counselor did a test and was like, oh, you should be like the best basketball player ever. And it was like, okay, cool. Um, where do I apply for that job? Okay, here's an application. You go apply for that job. No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to like start with something you're, and you're not very good at it necessarily. And you have to just keep at it every single day and keep growing and keep looking at the way that you're practicing and make yourself better and better and better. And pretty much nobody cares until one day after a, a number of different wins, you become the, the greatest in the world at a particular thing, whatever your combination of things is. And, and you know, I, I guess I look at that and I say there's, there's a couple points that I think are really relevant there is you know, one is this idea that you brought this up earlier. It was like the idea of like, it's important to create things, but that I guess contrasted with the environment you grew up with, your dad working in the same company for 30 plus years. I, you know, similar kind of story. I think a lot of people do. And I would say this real quick, 
is that there's this absolutely reasonable to do that kind of thing. Like, this is the job I'm going to do. I'm going to work. I'm going to keep doing that one foot in from the other. I understand why that happens and why that our society kind of developed along those trends. I agree. Yeah. What I think is interesting is that it's also beyond like this, just like motivational, aspirational thing to say, hey, go create. It's not just about like, you know, be an artist, be a musician, whatever it is in a kind of a fluffy sense, but in a very practical sense that I think people should create, whether it is something like art, music, writing, whatever, or, you know, engineering type things or whatever it is, but to actually just go out and start building and creating things and then sharing it with the world, like interacting with the world. I think what's so interesting about that is it actually is paramount now more than ever, because if you just look at it from, I want to move up the hierarchy or the ladder of any kind of corporation or in any kind of industry, I'm going to be able to skip ahead of the line if I'm the kind of person who's already producing and doing stuff on my own accord and actually taking initiative. And I think people see that now more than ever because we have so many robots to replace all the people who can't do that, right? So the people who aren't able to take initiative and create something and then and then ship it, it's like those people aren't that useful anymore to some degree. And so it's like paramount that even if you want to, I think, be successful in like classical terms, like be able to provide for your family, those kind of things, which are absolutely noble for sure. It's still, I think, important and relevant and and necessary more than ever to still be creating something, even if it's on the side, even if it's not your full-time gig. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. And I think that there's just this whole other set of skills that comes along with creating something, with having an idea and being able to motivate yourself to do this thing that if you don't do it, nobody's really going to care. But if you do it, it might really help something. So that's, I think, an important skill set. And I, I think it's important not just for creating your own things. I think it's important at a job as well. And they're going to be increasingly important, especially as things are increasingly automated or there's artificial intelligence doing the job of a, a regional manager of operations, like pretty complex things. You have to know how to cull ideas, learn new things, respond to changes in technology. I actually saw a tweet the other day. Somebody was quoting somebody they had heard who had said like, oh, I went to school for 12 years for all this stuff. It's it's not reasonable to ask me to learn any anything more to do his job. And that just sounded awful. I, I guess one thing is that I mean, nobody really cares whether it's reasonable or not. Like the, the, the market is such that you either can present skills that are in demand or you can't. And I think part of what's hard for people to stay motivated in creating is that a lot of us have been taught since growing up, like, oh, look for a job that pays a certain amount of money. And whether you like it or not, whether you enjoy the activity or not, is not that important. What's important is that just you stay disciplined and, and motivate yourself to do that thing. Now, I mean, this is why I have a podcast called Love Your Work, because it's something that I think is important is to is to be able to follow things that you are curious about, follow things for which you have like high stamina or endurance to follow those things. Not like a woo-woo follow your passion thing, because it's always going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but that's why you've got to do the thing that you love is because it's uncomfortable and, and hard to make things that matter and you need some way to motivate yourself to do that. And so I think that if a person can follow their curiosity in a way and let it, let it lead them to a place where they are able to build these skills of coming up with ideas and creating things and exploring things and making things real, that they can transfer those skills 
to times when they have to do things that aren't their favorite things. You know, and I would add to that and say, like, from that vantage point, this is one of the things, like, I guess, to some degree, I might have minimal regrets. Like, I don't really harbor regrets per se. But, like, when I do reflect on my life and, and certain phases of my life, like when I was in the military and stuff like that, and think about, like, what mindset I had back then versus now – and I don't know, because we I don't know how I would have relived those scenarios. But hypothetically, now I look at it and say, like, I now value more than ever the importance of embracing the role that I'm in and being the best at it that I can be because it's worthwhile and I should. And that if I ever get to the point where I, I deem that it's not, maybe I should move on to something else. But insofar as like I am in that role or that position, or I'm doing what I need to be doing. What is like the best version of myself in that role? And who would that guy be? And, and what should he be doing? And how could he be the best and, and then influence the people around him? And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. It reminds me of like, I had a conversation with somebody who I'd met. I was at a conference that I was invited to a few years back, like right actually when I was in the army stills back in 2013 or something like that, uh, before I got out. And we met, we hung out, and I was starting to do work online, like starting to publish and, and stuff like that. And so kind of getting my name out there. And that's kind of why I was invited to this thing. And then I met this guy just this last year and he brought up a story to me that he was like, I was really impressed by like seeing you, like how you were acting, how you were like eating. It was like this weird, kind of, I won't say weird, but it was like, there's this notice of how I was like eating very lean, how I was very focused on the work I was doing, all these different things. He's like, and that impacted me to be a better person and to actually like up my game. And it was like a light bulb for me. And I realized like, man, how important it is to just work hard at what you're doing too and really embrace it. And that ties into this idea of like the story you just told about, I don't think I should have any expectation, have to learn more because I've already gone through all this. It's like, what's that best version of yourself? Like, honestly, like if you were the best person you possibly could be, like really living up to your own expectations, does that person just like quit learning or does they keep learning? And then if that person keeps learning, wouldn't that then impact the people around that person to maybe keep learning as well? And then don't we just like raise all ships that way, like a rising tide? And I've just had this idea in the back of my mind for like months and months now, just thinking about this and how important it is. And so I guess it comes back to that. It's like when we talk about cultivating that type of environment where somebody can grow up, it's like, yeah, no ideas are bad ideas. Like you have to start with a bad idea by its nature. And I think you have to be addicted to learning to some degree, or at least embrace the idea that it's always going, like there's always something new you're going to have to tackle. And so get comfortable with it, like get comfortable with that, the uncertainty and that maybe the terror of creating, because like, it's going to make you a better person. It's going to open up all these opportunities for you. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that what you said about, you know, if you decide that something isn't important, then maybe you aren't going to pursue that thing anymore. Like, have some commitment, you decide that you're going to do something or you decide that you're not going to do something. And I think that, I mean, it's easier said than done when you, when you don't have that wired in you and you haven't had, you know, the practice and training, you haven't been in the military, you haven't had some, some guy yelling at you to get you to fold your socks correctly. But I, I think that like the good way to get there or the, like the, the way that I get there is through curiosity is to find that thing. And I think that so many lose touch with it. And I know that when I first opened up my eyes 10 years ago on my first day of self-employment and I had just vast hours and days and years stretched out in front of me and I could do whatever I wanted with that, that was very frightening. So one of the things I decided was that I was going to try to find curiosity again. I was going to try to reconnect with that feeling that I had when I was in my room and I would be drawing or conducting science experiments or something. And I would just lose track of time. Like when was the last time you did something 
we seriously lost track of time and five hours went by and you didn't feel tired and you were just into this thing and you could totally do it. Now, you can't necessarily do that all day from the from the beginning, but if you can make a habit of feeling that feeling of pursuing those things, then goals start to pop up around those things. And then it's a lot easier to find that motivation. It's a lot easier to find that little spot in your mind where things are a little tough and you kind of want to quit, but you're able to envision this thing that you want in your brain and it gives you that dopamine hit. It gives you that little bit of motivation to keep you going because it's a thing that you're curious about, because it's a thing that you're passionate about. You end up building that skill just like you might do pull-ups. You end up building that skill of being able to motivate yourself so that now you can motivate yourself to like wash the dishes or do some other thing that you don't necessarily or do your accounting for your business that you have to do in order to do the thing that you're passionate about to be able to motivate yourself to do those things that you aren't necessarily like, you know, on fire to do. It's interesting how it is to some degree self-reinforcing as well, right? Like let's say, and I know this is an idealistic view, if you can move toward the thing that you're interested in and start working at it. You're interested. There's some reason you're interested in it. Something captivates you. We have no idea what that is or how that even works, but something there is pulling you toward it. If you can embrace that and concentrate your energy on becoming very good in that space, whatever that is, and creating and developing and building and growing, and especially outside the bounds of like what you've been told to do, I think is what's really important here. Because like anybody I think can do what they're told to do. I think like when I look at the military, great example, it doesn't actually require much self-discipline at all to be in the military because you just have so many checks and balances and so much accountability. So you can get somebody to do just about anything. Oh, interesting. But the person who can then go beyond that and have the foresight to develop self-discipline in their own life and then to keep producing outside of that, I think is more important than ever. But I think the self-reinforcing aspect of it is that once you start doing that, I think there's truth to this like in, in the scientific realm as well. And maybe I'm grasping here, but the more you work at something, the better you get at it, typically the more you enjoy it as well. Like there's something to be said, I think, for the better you get at something, the more enjoyable it becomes. And so it's one of those things where maybe even if you're in a space where you're just not like very happy right now, and again, I'm kind of like talking to a younger version of myself, maybe to some degree, but like, how could you embrace it and say, well, I'm going to become very, very good at it. Because then that actually might create curiosity that you mentioned, and it might create an enjoyment and fulfillment that you didn't have before. Yeah. Look, I became a writer by accident. I did not enjoy writing when I was in school. I did not enjoy writing in college. I did not enjoy writing after college. The first time that I really sat down to write something voluntarily was when I was 25 years old and I wrote my first blog post. I'm not exactly sure why. Six years later, I ended up writing a book that became a bestseller. And I guess I discovered like, okay, I'm all right at this thing. And it has some qualities I learned to enjoy because I got better at it. And then over this last couple of years, I've really doubled down on writing to where I started having a habit. I started making sure that I'm reading tons and tons of books and made sure that I'm studying books to understand their positioning and how to market them and everything. And I've gotten a lot better at writing. Now, it's not easy. It's still hard. I still wake up in the morning when I sometimes I have to do my writing habit and I'm just almost sick to my stomach putting my fingers in the keyboard, but I still get myself to do it and I get better at it and it becomes way more enjoyable. And it's an activity that I can make money doing anywhere in the world. So that's what's tricky about the whole follow your passion thing is that, you know, if you're really passionate about making animals out of twisty ties, 
or something, it might be kind of hard to make a living. But if you can find just like that right little balance of here's something that I kind of enjoy that maybe I have a, a little bit of innate skill in that if I work at, I can become more and more valuable and then I'll enjoy it even more. That's another way to go too. Yeah. And I think part of that is also kind of embracing, you know, maybe a certain aspect of the work that we do and the things that we pursue and activities that we engage in is maybe trying maybe personally to cultivate this idea of kind of love around the learning itself too and the action that's taking place. Because, you know, like you said, with the twisty tides, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe there's not a market for it. But maybe if you got into it, really embraced it and learned it, that that skill might be applicable in some other space and in some other way to maybe in some other business or some other enterprise that you might not see right now. And so I guess that's another thing that I look at and say, like, I would always cheer on, which again, yeah, is not to say like, you know, I would never encourage somebody to say, go do that per se, like in and of itself, like just go do what you're passionate about. Cause like, that seems like kind of new agey, not necessarily the most useful advice, but I think it's something to be said that whatever you do pursue to put in the time and effort to really learn it, and then also look for ways that you can apply that to other areas. And so kind of falling in love with the, the idea of like, the creative aspect of anything is worthwhile because there's all sorts of ways that you can cross apply this. There's talents that you will develop that you don't, you won't be able to see right now. And again, I think they'll help you find new things that are worth engaging in. You know, when I, I look at kind of your book and the work you've done with the podcast, the writing, you've written on so many different topics and it seems like you've embraced that as a mindset and as a kind of a, a mode of being where it's like, you're constantly getting into new spaces. It seems like, I don't know I, if, if you have any kind of feedback on that or like why that's been worthwhile for you might be an interesting, I guess, question to ask here. Like, how has that benefited you? You know, I think from the beginning, even, even if I look at my first blog post, my, my whole idea has been, I'll learn things that I'm interested in and then I'll share what I learned through my writing. And so that's one reason why I end up writing a variety of topics. I wrote a post about cryptocurrency. You just, just today was published. I have written posts about health. I've written posts about programming and web design. I've written a book about design. And now I'm writing about this sort of emotional barriers to creating thing. And along the way, one of my guiding ideas has been to follow my curiosity I'm really inspired by this Steve Jobs Stanford commencement address where he talks about you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them moving in reverse, which means that you might be really interested in something right now. And it might feel like there's no practical purpose to me following this curiosity. But if you are able to follow that curiosity and trust it, at some point, it might converge with another curiosity. And the way that I manage that, the way that I think about that is that I actually will kind of ration out my curiosity. Yes, I'm exploiting some of my knowledge that I already have in order to make a living. But then I, I might say, this is an interesting thing to me. I'm going to go ahead and pursue this you know, for an hour a week on like Sundays. So it's not prime time. It's not during work. And it's just carving out a little bit of time to look at it. Maybe I'll get more interested in it and I'll start to see more ideas about how I can pursue that thing. And then maybe it'll start being a, a Friday afternoon thing. And then maybe it'll be, it'll take up more important parts of my time. And what happens is that these different things converge. So I was very obsessed with design. I started a blog. I moved to Silicon Valley. Kind of, they were unrelated things at certain times, but then they converged and resulted in my first book, Design for Hackers. This book right now that I have self-published, it was really 
wonderful when I started working on self-publishing it to realize that I had built up all of these skills that made me a fully self-sufficient self-publisher in that I had to do the writing, obviously. I've done marketing for uh, my previous books, for startups before, for the courses that I sell. And then also I coded the Kindle version of it because I know HTML and CSS. I was able to do all that myself. I was able to do the page layout all myself because I got obsessed with typography at some point in my life and I got a degree in graphic design. And then when it came time to do the Audible audiobook version of it, I had a podcast, which this was no accident. I have a podcast. Sometimes I read articles on my podcast. A part of the reason why I do that is because I knew that at some point in the future, I would be publishing books and I would want to be able to do my own audiobook and be sufficient at doing the voiceover work because there's nothing worse than a uh, listening to an audiobook where the author has read uh, their own audiobook and they're just like slurring their words and they are really just not really great at voiceover. And, you know, I studied little micro skills on that stuff. I took acting classes. I took improv classes. I took voice lessons for years, just knowing that I would probably eventually use those things and also because they were interesting to me. So by having this huge cornucopia of different skills, I'm able to be self-sufficient in a, a lot of different things and they converge together and they, you know, you end up finding yourself in a place where you have this unique set of skills that really nobody else has. And so you're able to do remarkable work that nobody else can do. And really, if you want to have purpose in your life, you've got to do something that nobody else can do except for you. And I think everybody has something like that, but you just have to be able to trust yourself enough to follow your curiosity from time to time to let it lead you to places that you wouldn't otherwise let yourself go because you were too scared about getting off the beaten path. Yeah. You don't know exactly how the path will unfold, but it's, I guess, a way to think about it if you haven't gotten started or if you started, but kind of like half-stepped and kind of went back to what you were doing before, haven't really engaged or moved forward down that path of, say, any kind of like entrepreneurial activities, creative activities, just like producing and, and doing those kind of things is to think that like, understand, I think there's just so much more upside than there is downside. Like downside is very limited in terms, like, I guess it depends what you're doing, but like, let's just say like, whether it's writing a book or creating, so writing a blog or starting a podcast, downside's limited. Upside is, I would actually say infinite because you don't know the connections you'll make. You don't know the skills you'll learn. You don't know what doors those will open. And so if you're concerned, just know, rationally speaking, it actually behooves you in terms of like, if you were just gambling, like percentage chance that you'll have upside in this is higher than downside. Downside is pretty negligible and it's so easy to get started. And we have the means of production right in front of our fingertips. And if you're listening to this podcast, you absolutely do, which is kind of cool to think about. And so it's like worth just going for and just trying it out. You can really manage downside as well. I think that whatever it is that we want to create, we tend to imagine like something way bigger than what we're currently capable of. But if we start small, like, for example, this latest book that I wrote, I started with a writing habit, writing on Medium every day. And nobody was reading it. Nobody was highlighting it. Nobody was clapping for my Medium posts. And then all of a sudden, I hit this inflection point where I got pretty good at it. And then my posts started to get popular. And then, then I started writing a chapter a day to an email list of people that I had built up for this book. And then uh, people were donating money for it. And then people were paying for access to the email 
drip campaign for it. So like I already had kind of validation there. I had that there to motivate me and to propel me along every step of the way. There was always a thing where, okay, I'm doing this right now. And my plan here is to get enough motivation from what happens here to motivate me to go to the next step. And if things are just not working, then you just don't go to the next step and you stay where you are and you try to work on bits and pieces to see if you can make things go forward again, or you try something else and then some skills transfer, but you, you got to get yourself in a situation where you have some kind of a feedback loop going on, because that's the thing that can motivate you and make you feel okay with, with the idea of downside risk. Cause downside risk is, I mean, it doesn't cost much to do this stuff, but the downside risk is your time. And you can manage that just by having these little tests where you can, you can get a little bit of feedback right away. Yep. I love that. Well, David, we're past the time I, I said originally I was going to spend with you. So I want to be respectful of your time, but I think this is a great conversation and also a great starting point for people to learn more about you. So where can people find you? Where can they pick up the book and where can they connect with you? They're listening to a podcast right now. So if they're interested in listening to other podcasts, I have a podcast called Love Your Work. I've had Seth Godin, Jeff Goins, James Altucher, just to name a few people on that podcast. And is also where I share a lot of the writing that I'm working on. The new book is called The Heart to Start. It will help you find the motivation and the courage to bring your work into the world. And I'm also really active on Twitter at Academy. I love it. Well, David, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed this conversation.